I know some people are going to be like, Kendall, are you really going to have a reoccurring theme of all your defenses for movies, especially from the 90s, or that everyone was hot? And like, maybe. I can't tell the future. Um, But it'll be fun to figure that out along the way. (laughs) You are about to enter the courtroom of the Honorable Judge Kenny J.D. Does she have any movie critic experience? No. Does she have any authority? No. But they gave her a show anyways. The movies are bad. The cases are good. The rulings are final. This is in defense of... Hello, everyone, and welcome to In Defense of a More Butter production. I am your host, your judge, Kenny JD, or Mother Biscuit, if you're nasty. It's an echo afterwards that I don't account for. In this series, we discuss movies. Movies that were considered bad or underwhelming, got bad ratings, didn't make much money at the box office, and we decide whether or not they deserved it. Well, I decide because I'm the only person that has a gavel here again. Just one time because you guys say that you don't mind, but I think you will. (laughs) So last week we talked about Evan Almighty and how I didn't really like it, but I didn't like it any less than Bruce Almighty because Bruce Almighty sucks and no one really wants to say that because I'm sure that's like a big conversation piece in 2022. Did you know that Bruce Almighty sucked? So it's been really great to see everyone's response to the podcast. Um, We peaked at number six, oh my God, on Spotify podcasts for TV and film. And I'm just super excited to see more about it. Feel free to give the podcast a five-star review on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts, because that also helps you know, keep people in the loop because apparently I talk about really important things. I'm a judge after all. Um, (laughs) So today we are ruling over a movie that is very close to my heart. I have a lot of history with, and that is Dance With Me, 1998. Um, And if you've never seen it, I'm super excited to introduce it to you because for me, it was such a quintessential part of my childhood, but I realize a lot of people have never heard of this movie. It is pretty, like, obscure if you didn't have a mom that was really into, like, heartthrobs and romance because lucky you, I did. So I can bring this to you. Um, Spoiler, everybody's hot. (laughs) Everybody's really hot. (laughs) I know some people are going to be like, Kendall, are you really going to have a reoccurring theme of all your defenses for movies, especially from the 90s, or that everyone was hot? And, like, maybe. I can't tell the future. Um... But it'll be fun to figure that out along the way. (laughs) Again, make sure to subscribe to the More Butter YouTube channel as well as follow us on Spotify. Um, And it'd be awesome if you guys continue to support our cool community here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Dance With Me and particularly my history with Dance With Me. So uh, I was dating this guy at the end of last year. It was terrible. Um, (laughs) Horrible relationship. Bad idea. But he was (laughs) Afro-Cuban. And that fact reminded me about this movie (laughs) called Dance With Me, uh, 1998, that was like a jewel of my childhood. It was something that I watched over and over again. Um, Looking back on it, actually watching it as an adult, it is kind of slow paced at points. So I'm kind of curious what about this movie kept my attention at at three years old. Sparkly things, people dancing, and a hot man. What can I say? I knew what I liked early, okay? Uh, So Dance With Me was a movie that my mom bought on like VHS. Um, She bought it 
One, because she loved romance, but also because she was kind of curious about Vanessa Williams, who was like um, a, a former and I think the first black Miss America. And my mom, she wasn't a huge fan, but she did find like interest in stuff that she was in. Um, and she was going to be playing opposite this like really hot Puerto Rican dude who I didn't know was famous until I researched it for this podcast. <laughs> but Cheyenne, who is her opposite uh, in the movie, he plays a Cuban man, hence why it reminded me of this movie, but um, <laughs> dating a Cuban man <laughs> reminded me of this movie. And um, it's so fascinating to see the like the chemistry of these two people and and I get why my mom was into it because it's a hot movie and they made pretty good music off of it too for the soundtrack those are the two things that I remember most from it I decided to watch it again for the first time in easily 15 20 years I'm getting old I don't even like saying that out loud um to see if it was as good as I remember it being and spoiler I still like it and I still like hot people being hot. So I, I, as I watch movies from the nineties, particularly ones that are like focused on chemistry and romance and stuff, I really realized that there's not a whole lot of that these days on screen. Have you guys noticed that? Oh, boo, bring back hot people being hot and being together and being hot. I, I think I said this in, in the Scorpion King video too, right? But I stand by it. It doesn't matter how much time has passed. My opinions have stayed the same. A verdict, final, if you will, you know? Anyway, but being that I was watching it as an adult and I still had like a general nostalgia around the movie, I was curious if people even liked this movie. I don't know. I wasn't old enough to really have any real opinion. I wasn't really old enough to understand other people's opinions around this movie. Um, so I was curious to see retrospectively what those opinions were. And lo and behold, nobody liked this movie apparently, <laughs> but me and my mom. The movie made less than $16 million domestically, which if we adjust for inflation was around $31 million. Um, in today's 2022 money, which wasn't great considering at the time, I think, well, I think we have to remind ourselves that 1998 was quite a year for media in general. The best albums came out in 97 and 98. The most iconic ones came out. And so did a lot of very iconic movies come out, particularly in 98. You have uh, like Titanic was either 97 or 98, and that grossed $600 million. You have Save It Private Ryan. You have Air Force One, Dr. Doolittle, which made a nice bag, Armageddon, Mulan, all of these movies that if they're put up against Dance With Me, I get why people would go see something else. So fair, I get it. I get why I didn't make a whole lot of money back. It was going against some pretty stark competition. But then we get to the reviews, which I feel are a little heavy handed, but okay. It all boils down to uh, most likely half of either an audience or a critic won't like this movie. Two thirds of audiences like the movie. Only half of critics thought it was decent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and from what I understand, the basic uh, critique is that the script is kind of shallow. The direction is pretty weak. Um, fair. But again, 
I'm a simple woman. When I go into a romance movie, I'm not necessarily looking for like the best romance movie ever. A rom it was it's not a rom com very much. There's certain elements that are kind of funny, but it's a much it's a bit more of like a soap opera y rom movie, romantic movie. Had a brain fart for a second. So for those of you that don't like the movie, my um preliminary defense is boo, you suck. But before we break down more of my defense, let's go straight into the plot for those of you that have like never seen the movie. Um, I am going to go a bit more in detail about the plot in this video than I usually do in, in defense of. Um, I think that'll also help because it is, again, it's a bit of a niche movie. So if you've never heard of it, you're going to be like, what is it even about? And here you go. Here you have it. So this is the plot. The movie... Uh, starts off with Raphael, who is played by Cheyenne, who um, leaves Santiago, Cuba, to go to Houston, Texas, after his mother passes away, to work for a man named John Burnett. Uh, he is basically there as a handyman for his dance studio, and it soon becomes clear to the audience that John is Raphael's real father, that he never met Um there he meets and has a preliminary attraction to Ruby, Vanessa Williams. Um, and that is the beginning of their kind of love story. Vanessa is a very kind of stiff um, type A personality. She's giving Earth sign. She's giving Virgo more specifically. No hate, but just an observation. Um, and she's kind of preparing for this upcoming Las Vegas salsa dance uh, competition. Well, general different categories of um, dance, but she's preparing for salsa in, in the competition. And again, she's a very stern, very like routinized character. Um, she doesn't have a lot of like fun in her personality, at least from the onslaught. And then we kind of see the contrast between her, you know, very like by the book personality with Raphael, who's a lot more like intuitive and fun loving and energetic and funny and easygoing. Um, even the way that they dance is represented in their personalities. Again, she's very like, this is how to dance. Whereas he is a lot more, again, intuitive. It, it comes naturally to him. It's his natural inclination. And he's more, um, he's more likely to lead with instinct than, than she is. And because of those personality differences, they do clash a bit in the beginning, which again, only adds to the sexual tension. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Sexual tension and some bomb ass chemistry. It was, let me just preface. I'll just ruin it for you right now. There's no sex scene in this movie, which you would be like, how, what? How are you going to have a sexy movie with no sex scene? There's no sex scene in this movie. And it is so hot. So fucking hot. <laughs> and it's so much hotter now that I'm an adult. And I'll give you a perfect example of another scene. Okay, that is just like, wow, that's really hot. Is she, what? Why is this? It's so hot. I'm sorry. I'm not even saying words at this point. Okay, so there's a scene where they're starting to warm up to each other. And at the dance studio, there's a Halloween party, right? So everyone's dressed up. Everyone's dancing, having a fun time. Ruby is dressed as a nurse. And it's like this cute little strapless uh, outfit. Real cute. I, I have big titties. There's no way now. <laughs> but she has this like dress on and it's strapless and she's dancing and it zips up the back, right? 
So while she's dancing, the zipper starts to come down and every man in the room is being a freaking creep. And they're not like saying, hey, bitch, maybe put well, not. Hey, bitch, you know, it'd be a little rude, but like, hey, girl, um, your zipper's sliding down and your hoo-ha is about to come out. Right. Not hoo-ha's, your tita's. Your titties, your titties about to come out. And so every dude is kind of just watching in anticipation until she like gets him like in a situation where she's exposing herself. And Raphael is the only man that like takes her hand, spins her around mid dance. Like she's in the middle of dancing, pulls her close. And she's kind of confused. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And then he just like wordlessly zips her dress up. And it's so hot. <laughs> it's so hot. Oh my God. I'm just like, bitch, bitch, it's so hot. Oh my God. Because <laughs> it shows a lot, right? It's like, not me chewing in the mic, not ASMR. It says a lot about him, right? Because it's like, not only is he like sensual and, and you know, all that because of just like the way he did it, but also, like, he's not a creep. <laughs> He's not like gonna take advantage of her, you know, seeing her in a in in a way that she didn't consent to. And it's just like, oh, it's so hot. Consent is so hot. And he's like, hey, let me help you there. And I'm like, oh, 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 bitch, sorry. Also, he's just fine. That's a side note. Even, again, just hot people being hot people. I love it. So. Today's video is brought to you by Haritos Soda. Haritos comes in a glass bottle made with real sugar and has absolutely no HFCs. There's 12 all natural flavors, so you're sure to find something that you enjoy, including, but not limited to, grapefruit, strawberry, tamarind, mango, and pineapple. Those are my two favorites, but I also love a fruit punch and many more to choose from as well. If you would like to taste test every flavor for yourself, feel free to check it out in their Fiesta pack available at Walmart. Link will be down below. Big thanks again to Haritos for sponsoring today's episode. Eventually, you know, they're warming up to each other and they actually end up going dancing outside of the studio to a club. And you can see that she's finally breaking loose and she's starting to enjoy herself. She wears like a super cute outfit too. It was so iconic. It's this like sky blue sequin pleather type situation. So cute. Again, if anyone can find me um, a lot of 90s fashion, I love 90s fashion, but if you can find me this dress, it's like a mini dress um, in like plus size, I'd really appreciate it. It would, it would give you like another three years on your life. Thank you. Peace and love. They really just start to enjoy each other's company in a way that she wouldn't allow herself to up until this point. Um, after dancing, he takes her home, walks her home, um, where he um, ends up meeting her son. Uh, she has a seven-year-old son named Peter. And the child's father is actually um, a man named Julian, who is a... Ruby's ex-dance partner. Um, and he's very, he's a quote unquote winner, right? He he dances a lot. He has a new partner. There's a lot of animosity between her and her ex, but she also respects him highly as a dancer. And so she has this conflict about, you know, if she wants to win at this Vegas show, she may just have to like suck it up and work with her ex-partner, who's also her ex- I don't think they were married. I think it was just like they were dating or seeing each other having sex. Obviously, they had a kid. While they're all like talking outside and, you know, just he again, he meets the child. The 
the sprinklers turn on and it's very cliche and very soap opera-y, but it's like, oh no, no, you got wet. You're going to melt. You're going to die. You should come in. <laughs> you should come in, take a shower. We can dry those clothes off in, in the dryer or whatever. Um, and so they do that and he gets out of the shower and this is where the kissing, I'm going to ruin it for you. This is where the kissing is so hot. Okay. Kissing. She dries off his clothes. He comes out of the shower wearing a towel around his waist. And she's just like, oh, let me just dry his stuff. And then there's like all of the sexual tension. And you're like, oh my God, please, please. Do you need a third? (laughs) And they kiss and it is so hot. And it got me sitting there thinking like, so what was the rating of this movie? Apparently it was only PG. How do you do that? Oh, because because it was a movie that didn't need all this stuff to make it sexy. It just is. Ah, sorry. Anyhow, but they kiss passionately. But at the end of which Ruby is like, oh, we can't. And I'm like, bitch, why not? <laughs> do you need moral support? I'll cheer you on. Like, what do you? But they agree. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't cross that. So they don't do anything anymore. Um, through some like little like semantics um, and little like nitpicky things that don't matter, Raphael ends up being able to join the Las Vegas competition with another partner that dances in the dance studio. Um, and Ruby ends up deciding to team up, reunite with her ex to again do this dance competition. And then the subplot that I haven't really been mentioning a whole lot because I don't care, <laughs> but again, uh, Raphael came here partially to reunite with his father um and throughout the movie they've been kind of like unpacking that he is indeed his father and and john is a dick and basically tells him like go back to cuba but yeah go back to cuba and um i ain't your real daddy leave after the competition but they you know they reconcile i guess he accepts him as a son it's kind of vague you know but um that B plot is closed up in case you cared. Like, did they ever figure out their relationship as father and son? I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's yeah. There's a little bit of animosity between Raphael and Ruby by the time they get to the Las Vegas show because he has a bit of reservations and jealousy around her dancing with her ex. And she feels a little bit of jealousy when she sees him dance with his partner for the competition. Um, but they kind of set that aside for a bit as Ruby does the main competition dance, which again, so iconic. Her dress is so iconic. The dance is so iconic. The song, like the song brought up back so many memories to me. And I was like, oh, I want to dance. The main dance begins. She's dancing with her baby daddy and competing for the top spot. And despite their like bad blood, um, which is also really hot, by the way, it's even there, it's just like during the dance, that's also really hot. Everyone's just really hot. Um, (laughs) She's like at the slower parts of the dance, she's making eye contact with Raphael out into the audience. And it's just, again, really hot. Um, (laughs) And uh, anyway, they win the competition. This is the first time she ever got uh, gold or number one at one of these shows. Um, but Ruby doesn't really care because she's like, I just want to be reunited with Raphael. And so 
The movie ends with them uh, dancing with all the competitors at a club and they reunite and they dance and they kind of make up over some little like animosity that they had, jealousy and whatnot. And then they dance back at the studio as the credits roll and they play like the song that Cheyenne and Vanessa Williams, Vanessa Williams also had a singing career for those of y'all that didn't know, um, which brought back memories because my mom also had the soundtrack. (laughs) Which is, if there's more than just that song on it, I wouldn't know. I didn't listen to it. But uh, yeah, so that's the movie. Um, If it sounds like something you'd be into because it's really hot, I hope you watch it and let me know how you feel. Now that we have the plot out of the way, time to take this movie to court. I obviously, I make in general, and of course in this podcast, I've made a lot of jokes that movies don't need to have like substantive anything to be good (laughs) like you know to be good and enjoyable they just need to have hot people being hot in it and you know this is definitely one of those movies um it's a core at its core it is more of like a soap opera uh e-conflict instead of like something new and exciting and riveting in that respect but but because this movie is one so effectively hot in a way that is really hard to do without like a lot of like explicit sex like sex scenes it's really impressive actually like there again there's one kiss i don't even think they kiss at the end of the movie it's just raw body movement and sensuality and eye contact and like body language and i'm just saying people need to take note people like actors these days obviously need a chemistry lesson beaker up bitch like come on let's go i think there's something to be said in that one the movie is good enough to enjoy i think people will watch it do i think it's a paradigm of cinema no but it has everything it needs to be enjoyable But I also recognize that maybe outside of my own nostalgia for the movie, there's something that I really appreciate now as a 20-year-old Black woman is that I recognize that I kind of will have a softness for this movie simply because both of the leads are both ethnic, non-European white. (laughs) I'm being very, like, choosy with my words there because I hesitate to really opine on his Cheyenne's whiteness uh, because to be quite frank with you I'm not very well educated on kind of the nuances in in that regard with like Puerto Rican um, communities and what is and what isn't considered whiteness Um, I'm curious though if anybody has any like opinions on that especially from that community Um, so I don't really want to talk about that but he is certainly more ethnic than, you know, most leading men of the time, and especially Vanessa Williams, she's a black woman. So (laughs) as a black woman, I see the importance of it being 1998, a black woman lead. Her opposite isn't like a big name in the US, you, you know, uniformly, you know. Again, I don't, I didn't know Cheyenne before I tried to make this video. I just thought he was the hot guy and danced with me. (laughs) It's really nice to see this movie where the leads um, especially Vanessa Williams, you know, being a black woman in an era where black media was completely, well, not completely, but for the most part, completely curated at the mercy of non-black media and that this movie was created in that time. Like this movie, whether it meant to or not, aided in restructuring 
who can be a leading lady because also Vanessa Williams is, uh, well, Ruby, I should say, as a character is, um, you know, she's very like stoic and serious and strict, serious demeanor about her, which isn't necessarily a stereotype that was running rampant in the 90s about Black women in general. Um, we could we could discuss how, um, if at all, it's reductive how they kind of handle Raphael's character. But I will say, um, I you know they present him as a soft and kind person, masculine but not necessarily misogynistic, and that also kind of dismantles some stereotypes around. Um, Latin men. And they brought those two people together to lead a movie. Like there's something cool and commendable about that in the 90s. That's a bit of a risk. That's a big risk to take. Good on them for doing that. It's the same reason why I have, I always have heat for people that want to say something about Black Cinderella. Because, um, which if I'm not mistaken, came out in the same year that this came out. I have a problem with you if you have a problem with Black Cinderella. Black Cinderella, where uh, where a Filipino prince came biologically from a white man and, and a black woman and no one thought nothing about it. I didn't notice it at all. I just thought at the way I was like three years old. So I thought genetics was like a Russian roulette. You just put two people together and then poop a Filipino baby. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like a lottery, like the baby, <laughs> the baby mega millions. You don't know what you're getting, but, um, I digress. It's why I have such a soft spot in my heart for that movie, which has two leads who are, obviously non-white. Again, this movie came out prior to um, streaming services. That's another thing. Before social media to kind of like hype it up for that um, or to even notice that or care about that. And so by proxy, it kind of appealed to niche audiences, black audiences, Puerto Rican or Latin audiences, whoever enjoyed, I guess, Cheyenne's music. And that was a gutsy thing to do at the time. And so I got to at least, I also have a, you know, I have a soft spot because of that. I'm not going to lie. Which leads to the final verdict. (laughs) This movie is ending in a mistrial. Oh, you didn't see that coming. You did not see that coming. You were like, oh, she's definitely going to say innocent. Boom. There. Man, man, you don't pick my decisions. Nothing makes sense in here, except for the gavel. <laughs> I think it's a fun time. I think it's really hot. Um, and I love what it represents in a lot of ways. However, I do recognize that I have probably more of a softness for it than probably a new viewer would in 2022, right? I have a nostalgia associated with it. There's a comfort associated with it. And I, and I, and I hesitate to think that everyone will enjoy it, <laughs> especially without that component. So, um, and also, so that is so like the critical response, I can understand. <laughs> I don't agree, but I can understand why somebody may not like it. And in regards to its money-making thing, did it deserve to make as little as it did? It was 1998, there was a lot of stuff coming out. <laughs> and I gotta remember like, Again, in 98, you didn't have Netflix, you didn't have streaming service, you couldn't watch it at home. So when someone went to the box office to watch a movie, they did so understanding that they are gonna spend money to watch it and that they're gonna spend time to watch it. And within that finite resource, what am I gonna watch? Am I gonna watch Titanic or am I gonna watch Dance With Me? Like, I'm not judging you for picking Titanic, you know? I think, you know, if it came out now on like Netflix, it would be a cute little little movie to watch with your date or whatever came out on any streaming service. I think it would be a cute watch. Um, 
but like taking the energy to get up and go to the box office, go to a theater to watch dance with me. I get why people didn't do it. (laughs) So it's how I feel. It's how I'm, you know, for once, maybe I'm leaving it up to you to decide (laughs) the ultimate how we should feel about it. But anyway, now. Though my rulings are final, that doesn't mean that you can't engage with me down in the comment section. Feel free to agree. Feel free to disagree. Let me know if you have any nostalgia with this movie because I'm curious because I also feel like in a way it was my own like vacuum of experience and that no one knows about this movie but me, but that can't be true, right? I don't know. Not me getting makeup on the gavel. (laughs) Feel free to engage with more butter on uh, social media. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube, of course, on the YouTube channel. Feel free to interact with me. I'm Kenny JD on all social media platforms, but particularly on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. That's where you're more likely to find me. And I hope you enjoyed today's podcast.